You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. My name is Jose and I have the honor of serving as a lead pastor. And I've already said that we're a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior, and that's Jesus. And uh, we are in the middle of a series called The Way. Last week, we looked at what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 6. He exclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we're going week by week looking at what does it mean that Jesus was the way? What does it mean that he is the truth? That's what we'll look at this morning, next week. The life, and then the last week, that he is the only way, that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. More so, we're looking at the context, because Jesus said this in a context where he was in the upper room with his disciples after serving them communion, right before and during the biggest trial of his life, and that is the crucifixion, his death on a cross. And and so he says this in verse 1 of chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. We talked about last week that at the beginning of the year, we're all very optimistic with our New Year's resolution. Who's already done with New Year's resolution? Who's already far gone? It's okay. Don't, 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 don't raise your hand, but just know this is a safe place. Imperfect people are welcome here. We, we're very optimistic, and then often we fall short quickly, and, and, and then what happens? We, we feel ashamed. We, we start feeling bad about ourselves, and, and so I wanted to pivot, and instead of uh, coming up with New Year's resolution, why don't we follow the words of Jesus here and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. We don't know what 2024 will look like. Some of us may already be experiencing trouble. And so Jesus's command here is you have an opportunity to not allow your heart to be troubled through the trials, through the chaos, through the trouble of this world. How will this next word believe? Believe in God, believe also in me. And, and last week we looked at how Jesus is the way. He's answering this question that Thomas asks him. Jesus goes on to say that he's going to go and he's going to prepare a, a room in, in this mansion of sorts. And he's speaking to the kingdom of heaven that he's going to prepare a place for us and he's going to bring heaven here on earth. That's how the Bible and the, our, our biblical worldview ends is that heaven will come on earth and it's going to be awesome. And then Thomas says, but Lord, we do not know the way. How can we know the way? And so Jesus answered in verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We asked the question that Thomas asked every day, Lord, just show me the way. And Jesus is saying what? I am the way this morning. Let's look at the next question. It is from another disciple. His name is Philip. And Philip asks this, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Who has ever asked God, hey God, do this for me and that will be enough for me. If you reveal yourself to me in this problem, in this trial, if if you just reveal what I need to do, then that's going to be enough. And what does Jesus say? Oh, Philip, don't you know me? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. We are obsessed 
with information. When we have a problem, when we face a trial, we turn to our phones and we start Googling, how can I dot, dot, dot? What is the solution to dot, dot, dot? How can I change the oil in my car? How can I change the faucet in my bathroom? How can I fix, 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 fix? Am I the only one? Jesus is asked this question by Philip. Oh, if you just do this one thing, then we will know the Father, the answer to our solution. And this morning, what I want to tell, remind us, is that Jesus is the truth. And the truth of Jesus is enough. No matter what problem we may be facing, no matter what our trouble may look like in 2024, Jesus is enough. Did you know that we consume 74 gigabyte worth of information every single day? That, if you're wondering what is, can you equate that? It's about watching 16 hours worth of movies or shows. That's like reading Wikipedia uh, like three times over. All the content on there, it's overwhelming. It's too much. And yet, what do we do? We still look for answers. We still want to know the truth behind a question, or we want to know the truth behind a certain case, right? When you see that news story flash, you want to get to the bottom of it. What is the source of what's happening? What is happening underneath? And here's the thing, uh, the Enlightenment thought that with more information, now that we're getting more educated, now that we know more, that we will actually need God or religion or spirituality less, And I find it interesting that here we are in 2024 and we are more high tech than we've ever been. And we're also, instead of more educated and and more at peace, we're more anxious, we're more stressed, we're we're more depressed, we're, we're most uncertain of our reality here on earth. And spirituality is not on the decline. Spirituality is shooting through the roof and the church is exploding here in this country and especially all around the world. This idea that more information will bring about the decrease of faith is false. Why? Because Jesus is the truth and he is enough to answer every single problem that we are facing or we will face. And so let's look at Jesus's answer here in John chapter 14, because I love Philip's question. It's one that, that we ask often, Lord, if, if you just do this for me, then, then I, that'll be enough. And, and again, Jesus is saying, oh, do you not know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time. See, Philip in John chapter one, he is uh, sought out by Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And so Philip goes to tell his friend Nathaniel, and, and his friend Nathaniel asks the question, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? That's not a question. That was actually a statement, a quite judgmental statement. And uh, Jesus faces Nathaniel in a way that only Jesus could. Uh, he doesn't rebuke him. He actually says, hey, uh, Nathaniel, uh, wow, what, a, what an awesome guy you are. He, and he was being serious. He wasn't being sarcastic. I kind of sounded sarcastic when I said that, but Jesus wasn't like that. And, and Jesus tells him, hey, before Philip called you, I, I saw you underneath that fig tree. What, what is he saying there? That, that Jesus is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all 
things. He saw Nathaniel sitting underneath that fig tree. And uh, Philip is like, whoa, I mean, unbelievable Jesus, that, that Jesus knew that. And then in chapter six, we uh, find 5,000 people uh, looking, uh, seeking Jesus and, and wanting to be instructed by him. And so Jesus asks Philip this question. He goes, hey, where are we going to find food for all these people? And Philip's like, I don't know, but I need like six months worth of money, of, of wages to just give these people a bite, not even a, a full meal. And then Jesus goes on to feed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and fishes. I'm giving you context here because here Philip is a few years later asking Jesus, oh, if you only do this one more thing, that will be enough. Two points and two questions for us this morning that I hope will help us face whatever trouble we may come along. The first is this, Jesus is enough because he is the truth. Therefore, we are to know the truth. Philip says, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long Time, a question for us is, do we know the truth? The truth in Greek is better defined as reality. The reality of a circumstance, the, the reality of a situation. Uh, the opposite would be an illusion. And oftentimes we may not know the full reality of the problem that we are facing or the issue that's before us, but we can know the truth. And the truth is not just information, the truth is the person of Jesus. You see how Philip was asking for information? Just show us, give us something, give us evidence. And Jesus is like, I'm right here. I am the evidence. And I've been with you all along. Knowing Jesus, knowing the truth is better than just having more information. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, he said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will do what? It'll set us free. It's not information. It's a person. It's a relationship. See, oftentimes we think, especially if we've grown up in the church or maybe we're new to church and we think I can't X, Y, and Z because I don't know enough. Or if we've been growing up in the church, we think, oh, I'm good with God because I know all the right answers. Information should be the bridge to a personal relationship with Jesus. Question for us this morning is, is my relationship with God informational or is it really personal? Is, is my relationship with God based on just facts that I know about the Bible, about God, about who Jesus is, what he said? Or, or is it a relationship like maybe that you have with your spouse or with a neighbor or with a colleague where, where you know, know the person? The difference really is uh, life or death when it comes to a trial, when it comes to a trouble. See, you can know about someone without really knowing them. Last night I was watching the Texans do something they haven't done in a long time, and that's win a playoff game. 
pretty exciting. And uh, not only that, but they were under the leadership of a young, studly quarterback named C.J. Stratter. College pastor J.D. graduated from The Ohio State University. He is a fan of C.J. Stratter, probably thinks that he should still be playing or hopes that he should be playing with The, with the Ohio State University. But he's playing for the uh, Houston Texans. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I know some about him. I know that he went to Ohio State. I, I know that he faced a lot of adversity early on in his life. I know that he's the youngest quarterback that's ever won a playoff game. But if I were to figure out what his number is and I'd call him up and say, hey, uh, we have the Wimberley Texans here in Wimberley. And uh, hey, what do you think about coming and like speaking into these young students' lives? You probably first say like, who are you, and how'd you get my number? You're creepy, right? I don't know you. And then um, when I'd ask, like, please, could you, I mean, it's only a three and a half hour drive. There's a lot of people from Houston here. You know, we can, we can do something. And he'd probably say something like, I don't know you. And so, no, I'm not going to come. But I don't know if you knew this. He's also a man of faith. So maybe he'd hear God saying yes, and maybe he'd come, and, and that would be fun. But odds are low. I, I think that he'd probably say, no, I don't know you, therefore I'm not going to do something for you. I, on the flip side, have friends who are dentists, doctors, that when I call, I'm confident. That not only are they going to answer my call, they're going to help me get the help that I need in times of trouble. When we have a relationship with God that's only informational, we, we, we don't get the help that we need because the help that we need is God's presence through that trial or that trouble. Oftentimes, we're just looking for that fix it right now answer. And really, God knows that what we need is just someone to come alongside of us and say, hey, I'm, I'm in this with you. I don't know if this solution will work. Here's what I can offer you, but, but I'll be a presence of comfort through this situation. That's the difference between knowing the truth of Jesus and, and just knowing about him. C.S. Lewis had a flip in his life. He, he grew up knowing a lot about God. He, he graduated from Cambridge University over in, in England, and, and he, he was very smart and had a lot of information, but then something happened. He encountered the living God, and started a relationship with him. And in a letter that he wrote to the Oxford Socratic Club entitled this Theology Poetry, where they were challenging the claim that Jesus is truth, he wrote this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. What he is saying is that his relationship with God has brightened up, has cleared up his vision of how he sees every trial, of how he sees every relationship, how he sees every circumstance that he goes through in this life. See, in John 8, chapter 12, Jesus again says, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of Life. God often in scripture reveals himself as light. Think about Moses in the burning bush. Uh, he, God reveals himself through light. When the tabernacle is established, there's a consuming fire there that, that, that is light. Uh, when Joshua enters the promised land, there's a fiery pillar that leads them. Again, there is light. And, and so we see that Jesus is 
the light, and wherever there is light, darkness cannot overcome the light. In the battle between light and dark, light is undefeated. So when we have a relationship with the truth, when we have a relationship with Jesus, when we know him, we can see clearly through dark situations. Rebecca McLaughlin uh, wrote a book called Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. Definitely recommend it, especially if you are thinking about uh, making Jesus your Lord, giving your life over to him. And she writes this, if Jesus said that he's the bread of life, the loss of Jesus means starving. So if Jesus says that he's a breath of life, without him, we, we have a big void. And then she writes, if Jesus is the light of the world, loss of Jesus means darkness. See, the reality is, is that even though he is light, we have all chosen the darkness. If, if Jesus is the sun facing toward us, what we've done is that we have turned our backs to God and instead faced the shadow faced are the darkness that is inside of us. In John chapter three, after Jesus uh, tells Nicodemus at night in the darkness that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but inherit eternal light. He says this, this is the verdict. This is the truth that light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light or for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, what do they do? Come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Know the truth is the first way to really truly claim that Jesus is enough no matter what we face. And then the second point is that we are also called to walk in the light as he is in the light. There is fear that keeps us from coming in the light. What is that fear? Fear that we won't measure up. Fear that we failed too far. Fear that others will look down upon us. If we actually expose what Jesus is saying, the darkness is in every single one of us. If we all have one thing in common is that there is darkness inside of us. Good news of Jesus is that light has overcome the darkness. And when we turn to the light, there is no shame. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so not only are we to know the truth that is Jesus, but we are also to walk in the light and expose the darkness inside. Our culture says that that's actually the way right now that we are to live. Just know your truth, your feelings, however you feel reign supreme above all other things. Just follow your heart. Just follow whatever feels good. Just follow whatever you want to be or become or whatever. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I, I, I am the truth. I am the truth. And, and that compulsion to turn to darkness, walk in the light, give it to me. I think a lot of us in church uh, know the truth and we're actually good in that department, but this may be our growth area to truly walk in the dark, to truly expose those things that are hidden into the light. In 1 John, 
Here is what John again says about this. Do you see this John theme of light and darkness? Here we go again. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I don't know what the answer to this question may be for you, but this is how I want to close. I want us to confess, repent, turn to the light where all darkness is expelled. Thanks to what Jesus has done for us. Question, what do I need to bring to the light. Be honest with yourself and ask God, what, what, is, what is the darkness in me that I'm carrying so that I can give it to you? Oftentimes, the reason why we go through trouble is because of that darkness. It's a consequence of our own sin. But other times, it's not our own sin. It's the product of this fallen and broken world. It's other people's sin in your life. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, just, just bring that to me. That's what I love about Philip's question. Philip has a personal relationship with Jesus that is strong enough to carry this question that he asked Jesus. Jesus, just show us, the, show us a sign. Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. What are your doubts? What do you need to bring out to God? Lord, where are you in this season of my life. Lord, why is this happening to me? He may or may not give you the answer, but I know this. He is the answer and he is with you. Thanks to the cross of Jesus. Thanks to his resurrection from the dead. That is how we can hold on to the truth that Jesus is enough. I find it interesting that at the end when Jesus is uh, before Pilate, he's a Roman emperor, a Roman um, ruler who is testing Jesus right before his crucifixion. Pilate asked him, he said, so, so are you a king? He's asking him so that he can judge, so that he can tell what's right, wrong, so that he can see whether he can free this man or, or sentence him to death on a on a cross, and, and Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king for this purpose. I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone is of the truth, listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, and yet still, they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. And so Jesus hung on that cross in darkness. And on April 4th, 8th this year, we'll have the solar eclipse where we'll actually experience darkness for about two minutes time in the middle of the day. And uh, we don't know what, ha what was happening then, but we read that darkness came over the land for a short amount of period. But we didn't stay in the darkness. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. 
He rose from that grave and now he is the light of the world, the truth. I don't know what it may be, but this morning I wanna encourage you to bring whatever darkness you're carrying into the light. It may look like uh, kneeling right where you are, sitting right where you are. We'll have people praying here to my right or to my left. Let's take a moment and invite him, invite his light into our lives. If you're able and willing, please stand with me. God, we're grateful that light came into the world and darkness could not overcome it. That whatever we may be going through, that the truth of who you are is with us. Allow us to be real before you just for a moment, God, this morning. Be honest and give you those things that are troubling us on the inside and live and walk in your truth. You say that we are the light of the world because you are the light of the world. So I pray that you would shine in each one of us this morning in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.